Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, how's it going, buddy? <sighs> it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. Hummer, the John Brandon era has officially gotten its first win against a ranked opponent. The Cincinnati Bearcats closed out Tennessee on their home court, 78-66, from start to finish, a resounding Woo-hoo! victory over the Tennessee Volunteers. I think we can we can go ahead and say it. This was the most impressive performance of the year when the team needed it most. Coming off a Colgate game that had the fan base rattled, that probably had players' confidence rattled, and instead of instead of going into their shell and folding, the team rallied around each other and came out and performed at a higher level than we've seen all season. 100%. If you're looking into this, if we lose this game, I don't I couldn't tell you and I'm never going to go look up the stat. I'm not going to be the one to go look it up when the last time the Bearcats lost three games in a row. I don't have to know that stat, and I still don't have to know that stat. So that's super exciting in my book. I think that this game, you mentioned it, it's the best game they played all year. How's that How's that not the case? And if, if I'm that guy sitting in the park, I'm going to say this is the best game they played all year. Prove me wrong. We've been calling for it for a few games now, but we finally saw a change to the starting lineup in this game. Rather than Chris McNeil starting at point guard, Micah Adams-Woods got his first career start as a Cincinnati Bearcat. Certainly won't be his last. He started the game off strong with nailing a three-pointer to get the, get the ball rolling, which ended up being an 8-0 run for the Cincinnati Bearcats. What are your thoughts on finally seeing Micah in the starting lineup? It's long overdue. We've been calling for it for a few games now. And, you know, I don't you don't like going after players and saying they're bad, but it seems like Chris McNeil just doesn't bring anything to the court. He maybe played some some okay defensive minutes tonight, but if anything, I would give them a grade of okay. I'm not going to say they're great. Mike Adams would brought it from start to finish. He he stepped up. He didn't look like a freshman out there, to be honest. He came in with confidence and just dropped a three at the first shot of the game. Like it's nothing. And and throughout the, the stretch game, too, he's making free throws the big freeze does that are coming up. But the other thing that we got back tonight too, which was finally amazing to see was he's from Barcelona, right? The Spanish, the Spanish steed, the Spanish stud, <laughs> Jay Cirola. He, he was back tonight and I think he looked impressive. Uh, and, and honestly, if I'm looking all up and down this entire roster or the guys, at least who played tonight, something that sticks out to me, there's only two players who didn't score in double figures tonight. Right. Jay Sirola with nine and Chris McNeil scored zero. But everyone else who got minutes tonight scored in double figures. It was an incredibly balanced performance from the Bearcats. And just to and go it's ba- been a theme all week, all year, too. It's been pretty balanced, but I'm glad to see his half working during a win, too. Right. Well, without Jaron Cumberland scoring the way he did last season, it, it has to be a more balanced perf- performance. And with guys like Chris Vogt chipping in 10 plus a game, Keith Williams 10 plus a game, Javen Cumberland close to, if not more than 10 points a game. There's no reason that it shouldn't be balanced going forward. Um, But it really was great to see pretty much everybody who played gave a really solid contribution to the game. Uh, Jay Sirola is so freaking solid. The guy is huge. 
He moves really well on defense. He clearly communicates well. I think John Brandon alluded to that in his postgame comments. But I feel, yeah, and he's scoring tonight. You know, I'm not usually (laughs) used to the guy skyhook, right? The Kareem skyhook. I would call it. it, I wouldn't necessarily compare (laughs) what he was doing to the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar skyhook. Let's pump the brakes. But Sarola on every other level. Don't tell me to pump the brakes on a night like this. He made good passes. His defense, the way he contests shots without jumping or fouling, he's he's extremely solid. And so, going from giving Mamadou Diara those minutes to Jay Sarola is an immense upgrade for the Bearcats. And so losing him for the for the few weeks that we did was a big deal and probably a bigger deal now than we realized. I, I think you're I think you're right on that. And so I'm going to point out two two stats though tonight that stuck out to me. And the first one being we've already mentioned it. Mike Adams was not only getting start, but we've said it before. We want to see him get into 30 minutes. That's that's somewhere he needs to be. He's that kind of player this year for this squad. He had 31 minutes. But then I, I heard you allude to it. Or someone alluded to it on Twitter that this was the Trey, 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 Trey game. Uh, Trey Scott played 38 minutes. We mentioned last week that it's okay to see guys play almost the whole game. And not only was was were we starting to see that, you know, it looks like our roster or the guys that are seeing the court is shrinking. We didn't see a Jer- uh, Jeremiah Davenport siding tonight. You know, we're... It seems like he's starting to find the guys that he trusts. We're going to start seeing that this is what we're going to see. And I'm not going to be surprised if McNeil is really just a player to give guys a breather. Like I, I do think that this is the extent of what his role is going to be as a guy, to, just to give guys a break. Sure. I mean, he still offers the ball handling ability. He has the ability to bring it up and down the court. He's overall pretty solid defensively. His minutes aren't going away, but it is nice to see the distribution skew so heavily toward Micah Adams-Woods. And I think our team was significantly better for it tonight. Real quick on Micah, I don't. I think we need to make, make mention, this guy's a freshman. He was pretty much a last-second recruit. We got lucky when he decommitted from Nebraska. We talked about it a couple episodes ago where Samari Curtis leaves our program. Micah Adams-Woods leaves Nebraska. We basically swap players. And right now, it seems like we've gotten the better end of that deal. He's so composed on the court. He plays not like a freshman. You trust him with the ball. And even in the final closing seconds of that game, we're breaking the press. Micah Adams-Woods gets the ball and slings a left-handed looping pass to Chris Vogt that was pretty risky. Like, he had to put it over the top of the defender's hand, but he made the pass. Chris Vogt catches it, finishes, finishes it with a huge dunk, and won. The game's over. He's so electrifying on the court. He's knocking down three-point shots. He can get into the lane. He's crafty with the left hand. I can't speak highly enough of how good Micah Adams-Woods has been for this team. It's definitely not terrible. Uh, someone else who I thought looked looked pretty good tonight, uh, other than the obvious, uh, my boy, Trey Scott. Uh, I think Jaron Cumberland, he, he had the second three of the night, and he was just looking pure. Uh, I thought he was looking really good tonight. He, I think he did an outstanding job on both ends of the floor, getting up and down. And he's he's not one I think who typically brings a defensive prowess to the game, but I think he did a, a satisfactory job. And I know you, we talked about this before we hopped on here. Tennessee's not the greatest of offensive teams, but for what we just did to their defense, this is it's a very positive sign when you're just taking the fifth ranked defense in the country and just shredding it apart. Yeah, this is one of the top defenses in the country. They hold teams consistently below 60 points a game. And the Bearcats came out, pushed the tempo. 
moved the ball up and down the court quickly, got him, you know, we weren't facing set defenses time and time again, and we ended up scoring 78 points on this team. It's really, it's it's a, uh, it's easily the best performance of the John Brandon era. It It's the one that captures the style of basketball he really wants to play. We were pressing at times. We were pressing successfully. And honestly, I mean, you're listing off pretty much everybody who played. Everybody who played was was solid, was making plays, had memorable moments in the game. You know, Trey Scott, I think the biggest difference with him, you know, sure, he scores 15 points, but he actually took 11 shots this game. He let it fly from three-point land twice, made one. He seemed just more confident and more willing to have an impact offensively. And that's probably John Brandon, hopefully in practice, saying, look, we're going to need more contributions across the board from every player. So, Trey, when you have a shot... That mid-range jump shot is a good and consistent shot for him, and he brought it to the table tonight, and it was hugely productive for us. Yeah, I think that's that's something else to keep in mind too, with with you know what Brandon's probably saying to these guys, because even Cumberland seemed to have brought a different attitude to the game. Not that not that it, not that I think he's had a bad attitude in the past couple of games. I think I think we've definitely gotten past that part, so we're done talking about it. That's over. But he actually looked like he was more in tune with trying to accomplish what the offense as a whole was trying to accomplish. He was making a lot of, even though he didn't score a lot in the first half, the minutes he did play before he went out with the fouls, he was making great passes. He was facilitating the offense. He was getting open looks for guys. One in particular that stood out was the one where he got this, he made a really difficult pass to a backdoor cutting Trey Scott, where he basically had to throw the ball between two defenders and Trey Scott goes in for the easy bucket and that was after he he kind of did a little tried to penetrate the zone and just got blocked by two players. So he drew the defender off of Scott, allowing him to make that open cut. So I, I think he was definitely trying to play more within what the offense is trying to do. And I think it worked. And then in the second half, he came in with four fouls and put on what I would say is a, a pretty gutsy performance to play four fouls, go five and a half minutes without a foul, score eight points in the meantime, and basically be the difference in this game from winning by a large margin and having it being close. Yeah, the most the most promising moments of that, of that run were, A, he knocks down the three-point shot, and he's been struggling with his jump shot mightily, and that, that didn't change tonight. His jump shot still doesn't look as good as it has. But then in this, and then there's that moment where I think it was Micah Adams-Woods passes it ahead to Jaron Cumberland, and he goes into freight train mode, and he bodies the, the defender, basically sends him almost three rows back into the crowd, finishes what you could have argued maybe was an and one, but regardless, an impressive, powerful, freight train-like performance that we've grown accustomed to through the first three years of the Jaron Cumberland experience. So it was great to see him back with that swag and that, that, uh, that energy that he brings to our team. The best part about that whole thing is I think as we were watching the game, I sent you a text about Jaron hesitating on the three and then he took a really bad shot. And so I sent you a text and like, has Jaron lost his confidence within like two seconds of me sending that text? B just, just drops a beautiful three pointer just to kick off his run. <laughs> Those eight points in the second half. And I was just like, has he lost his confidence? Nope. <laughs> No, and he shouldn't. With the jump shot, you just have to keep letting it fly. He needs to believe that it's they're going to start dropping for him. His turnovers are a bit of a problem. You know, he's throwing. He is very creative offensively with the types of passes he wants to throw. He's clearly interested in finding vote on pick and rolls. You know, he's constantly looking for that over the top pass to vote, but it's not always there. And I think as as he gets more minutes in the offense, as he's consistently playing more frequently, 
I think we're going to see the turnovers drop. You know, a couple of those six turnovers were control fouls, and I would say both of them were questionable. I don't know that either offensive foul was truly an offensive foul, but nonetheless, he's a bit sloppy at the moment with the ball. I'm sure we were go- we need to see those cut back if we're going to continue uh, being as efficient as we can on offense. Yeah, I mean, we had 15 turnovers today, and that's that's not that's never a good stat. Now, there is something that I am impressed about, and unfortunately, our team did not accomplish this. I don't know if you you guys are looking at the box score, but Tennessee did not miss a single free throw tonight. They went 17 for 17 from the line. All right, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, impressive from the free throw line, impressive in the paint. You know, they were scoring over our bigs pretty easily in the first half, uh, but they couldn't knock down a three-point shot. That was to our advantage. I think we did a good job closing out on them. They only got the 15 three-pointers up. Same for us. We actually only shot 15 three-pointers as well. Um, but yeah, all in all, a very solid performance for the Bearcats. Sorola, the difference between Sorola and Vote in the post defensively is pretty significant. It just seems like Sorola has a better feel for keeping players out of the deep post, making them more uncomfortable on their shots. Uh, it's just that you are trading off. You're sacrificing on the defensive end by by giving Vote more minutes. However, he is significant. He's a force offensively. Uh, he's he's really he's really paved his way in that lane. I'm not going to be surprised. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I don't 100% agree with you. I do think that, you know, we didn't see Sorolla for a month basically here. And what what's to say he has he wouldn't have progressed that much more in that month to where the point where he, he's more athletic. They're the same height. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually these two are more even. I mean, they're pretty even tonight. They both played one played 19, the other one played 21 minutes. But I wouldn't be surprised if I'm not going to say votes ever going to lose a starting role, but I definitely think you're going to see those two be a 50-50. And I think the talent leans more towards the role in the long run as being a a bigger cog in this offense. Well, I, I don't think you're I don't think you're you're on that one correctly, Hummer. I think that vote is the better offensive player. I don't know where you're getting Sorolla being more athletic. I actually made a joke tonight about Sorolla never seeing him jump. I'm not actually sure I've ever seen him get off the ground. So he moves. I think he anticipates they don't have to. They're seven. They're seven feet tall. They don't. They both don't jump. We know Chris Vogt can get off the ground. He finishes strong. We've seen him dunk on people multiple times this season. I don't think there's a question. Tippy toes to put a ball in the in the circle isn't called jumping. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to bail you out and save you here, Hummer, and save you the embarrassment. Chris Vogt is more athletic than Jason. I don't need saving. (laughs) Uh, I mean, to me, I think they're 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 both they're both good. I just I. It's a good Chris one-two vote. punch. We don't. I mean, look, yeah. it's a great one-two punch for the Bearcats. As long as Sorolla stays healthy, we're in re- we're in really good shape in terms of what the big man rotation looks like. I you did mention it earlier, but John Brandon tightened up the rotation for this game. He only played eight players, and the two who would typically get some minutes who did not tonight were Zach Harvey and Jeremiah Davenport. I was it was interesting to hear post game Dan Horde say that both of those players were still in their in their gear on the court practicing and getting in reps after the game that's got to be a good sign for for just team culture oh a hundred percent you got two guys who didn't see minutes and clearly they want to see minutes so they're like how are we going to do it we got to get more reps than everybody else and you know you might be more talented than me but the one thing that you can ever do is outwork me and if that's their attitude and that's the attitude this team wants to take i'm gonna we're gonna love it all day every day you know and and something else we're, we were pointing out too and I and I think you said it was a combination of both of these, but for some reason Tennessee just seemed to be playing right into our strength, which is playing fast. 
And on the flip side, I really think it was more of us doing a good job of pushing our pace as well. We did not seem to be settling for just running a half court offense. We were trying to push the ball. We didn't do necessarily a good job of getting uh, points off turnovers, but we did a really good job of keeping the ball moving quickly, getting to the hoop quickly, trying to get open shots, taking those shots early in the shot clock until later in the game when, frankly, I think I think Tennessee was trying to clamp down on defense. Uh, there was some times where we went late into the shot clock where we had to give the ball into the hands of our senior, Jaron Cumberland, to, to pull some big shots for us. But I think we did a tremendous job of, of keeping the pace throughout this entire game in our favor and and. For the most part, keeping Tennessee is seen out of their game. Out of their game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that part of the strategy of of Brandon saying he wants to see us push the tempo is, you are going to get games like this where it causes the other team to play a style they are not accustomed to and they don't actually want to play. And so every time we got a rebound, it looked like Chris Vote, Trey Scott, Sorolla, they would find Jaron Cumberland, they would find Micah Adams Woods, they would find the guard to get the ball moving down the court. Even Chris McNeil was executing that strategy. If he got the ball, we're moving it up quickly and we're going to try to find something in semi-transition. And it's a really, it's a fun style of play. It allows us to get more easy buckets, buckets we wouldn't have seen in years past. And um, it's finally signs that the team is starting to really grasp how to play this style. And I think moving forward, if we can find a way to cut down these turnovers, the turnovers remain somewhat of an issue. The second half, we did a really great job cutting down on them. If the turnovers come down, if Jaron Cumberland is going to be more immersed in this, in this offense and be more effective, we're going to start seeing things. We're, we've been competitive in every game we've played, for better or worse. There's games that I think we should be blowing teams out in that we've been we've unfortunately let them hang around and in some cases beat us. But there's also games against teams like Ohio State, who's pretty clearly one of the best three teams in the country, and also Tennessee, where... We're constantly in the game. We have leads for most of the game in, in some cases. And against Tennessee, close out and end up beating them by 12 points. It's huge. It's 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 huge. It's a great sign. I'm really looking forward to this weekend uh, sat on Saturday, uh, watching and seeing what we do against Iowa, who I think with Dan Hort or, or Kevin Johnson, I don't remember who said it, but either way, it's a completely different style of what we're about to see from a defensive team to an offensive team. So it's really going to test the defense. They're really going to have to work on keeping the ball in front of them and, and really clamping down. But at the same time, being able to keep the keep our pace up and being able to run our offense this in the, almost the exact same way you ran it tonight. I don't I don't know if it's too much of an ask. And I'll, I'll ask you this. Is it too much of an ask to shoot 50 percent from field goal range every night? And shoot 30 or 33 percent from from three point line. I don't think those numbers are 100 percent expected every night. But I don't think those numbers are too far from what the what we should be doing day in and day out with this group. I think that the the idea of John Brandon's offense is to get easier shots, is to get more layups and more three pointers. Now, we're not seeing as many three pointers. And with the current roster construction, that probably makes sense. But we did see many more layups tonight. I saw Keith Williams get several easy shots. We see Vogt get dunks. We saw several lay-ins from Sorolla. I think a high shooting percentage is in the works for the Bearcats. And against a team like Iowa, as great as their offense is, their defense is not very impressive. So on Saturday, what we can expect is we're going against the best offense in the country based on Ken Palm's efficiency rankings. They're also 
outside of the top 100 in terms of defense. So when we played them last year in the tournament, what we saw was in the first half, we were able to get points, we scored fairly easily, and we did a good job holding them in check in the first half. In the second half, we left more shooters open, open. the three-point floodgates opened up, and we weren't able to keep up our scoring pace. With John Brandon's style of basketball, the hope when we play Iowa this season is that our defense does a good job for 40 minutes, holding them in check, and we're, not, we're clearly not going to see a shooting performance from them that we saw against Tennessee. But if we're contesting and getting them off the three-point line, we're in better shape. And if we compare that with an offense that scores more consistently on a bad defense, we have a chance of winning that game and, and really taking our season back into our own hands. Well said. Well said. Well, I don't know about you, but I think that pretty much covers, I think, the, the the performance tonight. It's definitely the best game we've seen. It definitely gives us hope. It came against a very good Tennessee team. It's a, t- it's a game that we needed to win. And also, I don't know if you heard this during the broadcast, but apparently our new athletic director, John Cunningham, his first game as an administrator was against his, his team beat a ranked Ohio State team. Good luck, John Cunningham, man. It's uh, <laughs> We should make mention of that. The Bearcats did officially announce the hire of John Cunningham. Um, what I'm going to say about that is he's an athletic director, and I hope he does good athletic director things while with the Bearcats. I don't, I'm not, don't come to Cincy Slangin for athletic director analysis, unless you have some. Well, the only thing I can say is he, he came from Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> It's his first actual athletic director position, so he hasn't actually had this type of control of a program in his career before. Uh, but I liked what he had to say in his first speech, um, in his press conference. You know, he made mention of wanting to have more kids in the local area in Bearcat shirts rather than Ohio State shirts. You know, clearly he wants to build up the prestige of the UC brand and make it more prominent in the minds and hearts of people in the greater Cincinnati area. That makes a lot of he- sense. Another thing I heard that was kind of a weird too, I guess, is the fact that I guess uh, either he has a twin brother or he has twins and Fickle has twins. And I think Brandon might have twins. So apparently this is just the city of twins. So I'm looking up Iowa, some details on Iowa and their leading scorer is a stud by the name of Luca Garza. He was one of their key players last year in the tournament. Folks will probably recognize him, but this guy is 6'11", 260 and has a usage rate that exceeds 30% of their possessions. So we have our hands full with Luca Garza come Saturday, and I don't know that that Chris Vogt or Sorolla are going to have the foot speed to stay with this guy. I think your boy Trey Scott has has a major, major challenge on his hands come Saturday, and I, I hope he's up for it. I think he's up for it. Yeah, this is going to be a challenge for our, our front court. Uh, I, I suspect that we're going to tr- we're going to approach it in a way where they're going to send help and get the ball out of his hands as much as possible. But it's going to be fun to see. And, and I think we have more hope and optimism heading into that game than we likely did uh, for this Tennessee matchup. Though, if you did listen to our last podcast, a lot of what Hummer and I were talking about in terms of lineup changes, in terms of minute distribution, those things were executed tonight. And I think it, that I think the team was better for it. All right, Coomer. So I know we don't we don't do awards on this show, or we haven't. But if we had to uh, if we had to assign the the slanging player of the game, who who slanged the most? My player of the game 
So I'm going to first and foremost, I'm going to go with Trey Scott. I think Trey Scott gets the designation for this game, but I think it might be co-player of the game with Keith Williams because despite his offensive production not being where it has been recently, you still see him all over the offensive boards, defensively making plays. I don't know. It just felt like Keith Williams was coming up at the biggest moments, um, and I, I would probably give him and Trey Scott like co-players of the game for Cincy Slangin. I'm going to agree with only half of you on that wholeheartedly, uh, the Trey Scott, but I do think you're all right about a co-player, just not Keith Williams. I think his four turnovers takes him out of the game. I think the co-slanging player of the game is Micah Adams-Woods. I think he came up big tonight. He did a great job taking care of the basketball. He had zero turnovers in his start as a freshman handling the rock when he was in the game. So I might even, as much as I love Trey Scott, say I'm going to take him out and I'm going to give it to one player, Mike Adams-Wood. His first start as a freshman, he came up big for us. He did a really good job taking care of the basketball. He did a good job of showing confidence in times of need with the first three of the game and also with two big free throws late in the game. I'm just, I just, I'm just so impressed with what this, what this young kid was able to do, or I guess he's not a kid. This young man was able to do, do this evening. And that's that's who I give the award to tonight. He's definitely hands down brought brought something to this team that we desperately needed. Well, there were plenty of great performances to go around. I'm happy that we're debating who was the player of the game and not who was the goat of the game. Bearcat fans, it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. We're back, baby. Talk to you next week.